You know, the world is focusing on the tsunami and earthquake in Sulawesi. And we heard on the news this morning that over 350 people have been killed and many people have had their life savings wiped out, their properties devastated. It was interesting watching the news last night that the first article on TV1 News was that the price of petrol was going up four cents. The second was that Australian banks are charging us too much. And those 350 deaths in Sulawesi uh, got mentioned number three. Just goes to show how our society sort of orders things that are going on around us today. We're working through a series from the book of Ephesians. And throughout this series, Paul talks about how important it is that we are full of the Holy Spirit, that we cannot live the Christian life and be victorious if we do not have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. Imagine if someone saved all his money for years and then bought a new car and he parked it in his driveway showed it to his mates, and he sat in that car all day long so that everyone would notice the car. But he doesn't know how to drive it. He can't even start it. And he pushes it everywhere that he goes. And you know, that's how many Christians live their spiritual lives. They know that the Holy Spirit lives inside them, but they've never really figured out how to be filled with the Spirit. And so they end up pushing their faith around rather than allowing their faith in Jesus Christ to carry them and to motivate them and to lead and guide them. And so our focus this morning is Ephesians 5, verses 17 and 18. And this says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, many Christians read that verse, and they focus on the fact that we're not supposed to get drunk. A lot of Christians focus on the don'ts about the Christian life. But they overlook the fact that this verse urges us to be filled with, with the Holy Spirit. The Christian walk is not just a matter of don'ts. It's also a matter of do's. And so don't be under the influence of alcoholic spirits, but do be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're encouraged to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. This verse is written in the present tense. It applies to every moment of our lives. We will never fully enjoy what God has planned for us if we don't know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we get drunk when we allow too much alcohol to come into our body and it starts to influence our mind and our behavior. To be filled with the Holy Spirit 
is to allow our actions and behavior to be fully yielded to the Holy Spirit power. A.W. Tozer, a well-known theologian, said that if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on the same. And very few people would even notice that the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn. We can fully surrender our will to God. And then we will realize how important it is to have his power and equipping. Until we've fully yielded to Christ, we don't really understand what it's like to have God's empowering in our lives. You know, we can't fully surrender to God until we come to a point where we realize that we can't do it all on our own. It's like if you're trying to rescue a drowning person. That person has got to tr stop trying to help himself before someone can rescue him and save him. The first followers of Jesus gave up everything to follow Jesus. Jesus said to them, leave your nets and follow me. And life as a disciple of Jesus was tough. And at times they were despised and rejected. You know, many people regard Jesus as someone who can help them and save them. Yet they risk making him Lord and Savior. They don't want to give him complete control of their lives. Jesus emptied himself of everything. And he said in Luke 22, verse 42, he said to his father, Not my will, but thy will be done. Another Bible teacher was D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody said that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfish ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every order of our heart, every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. You know, many people don't take this step of being filled until they reach a point of desperation. A Christian author interviewed people and he asked them to finish this sentence. The sentence was, Jesus became number one in my life when... And these are some of the responses that he got from people he surveyed. When I found out that my spouse was having an affair. When I could no longer pretend that I was in control. When I had no one else to turn to. When it became clear that I had lost my control of my addiction. When I was told that I only had three months to live when my depression became too much for me to bear, when the divorce papers arrived in the mail, when I was forced out of my 30-year job, when my spouse was killed in a traffic accident. You know, one year 
ago today, I was admitted to Auckland Hospital with septicemia, 30th of September 2017. And I was put into resus because my blood pressure was falling rapidly. And I didn't even realise how serious my condition was at that time, and I was trying to be cheerful and joke with my family about things. And then a senior doctor stared me down and he said, you are very sick. People take months to recover from what you've got. And then I ended up um, having open heart surgery as well. We've got our daughter with us at the moment. She's home for a week from Melbourne. And she's had a difficult year as well. And on Friday, we climbed Mount Tohara. <laughs> and we looked out over the beautiful countryside at the lake, at the town, the mountains with snow on them in the dis distance. And I was just so grateful that I can still climb mountains. And yesterday we walked to Hooker Falls and back. We've been having some good chats, Jess and I. And you know, I realise that in life it's very easy to just go through the motions and make yourself comfortable. And I've found that it's during times of hardship, often when it's a health problem, that I've really had to call out to God and ask God for his help and press in to God. And it's these times that are very precious to us. Yesterday, Helen rang her mother, who will be 89 at Christmas time. And she didn't pick up the phone. So we've got a neighbour that lives just around the corner, well, a friend that lives just around the corner who has a spare set of keys to Helen's mother's place, and so we gave her a ring. And she walked around, and she says, Oh, it's not looking good, Helen. The blinds haven't been opened. And so she let herself in through the back door, and here was Helen's mother lying on the floor. She was alive. When she said, What are you doing down there? She says, Oh, I'm having a wee sleep. She's in the hospital now, and Helen and Jessica will be going over to see her after the service today. We don't know what is around the corner in our lives, but we do know that when people get to 88, 89, there will be a day when there will be a phone call, uh, and a life will come to an end. Reaching the end of ourselves is where Jesus shows up. It's then that we really cry out to him, and our life in him really begins. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. In 1974, Japanese Lieutenant Onoda, Lieutenant Onoda finally stopped fighting World War II, 27 years after the Second World War had ended. 
He'd been conducting guerrilla operations in Lubang Island in the Philippines for 30 years. He'd set fire to farms, attacked villages, and exchanged fire with the authorities. Japanese planes had dropped thousands of leaflets declaring their surrender. But he believed that it was an ally's hoax to trick him into giving up his mission. The military junta had said that Japan would fight to extinction rather than surrender. Finally, in 1974, a notice superior officer, Major Taniguchi, was found. He was flown to the island and he ordered Onoda to surrender. Even after the nuclear bombs had been dropped on Japan in 1948, some high-ranking Japanese officers led a coup to stop the surrender. Soldiers and top generals committed suicide because they were too ashamed to surrender. And you know, we can be like those stubborn soldiers, unwilling to give up, to admit defeat, and to humbly submit to God. If we feel self-sufficient, we will never feel the need to surrender to God. After the war, the Japanese were asked to give up their control, their lifestyle, their rights, comfort, pride, and self-righteousness. The cost of surrender is often very high, but we don't consider it unless we have to. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army, and he said, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. To what extent are you prepared to surrender your life to God? What have you already had to surrender? Maybe your lifestyle, your dreams, your friendships, your finances. Jesus said in Luke 9 that whoever wants to hang on to this life must lose it. If we keep yielding to self, we miss out on the real life that God desires us to live. A life in which we love others and make a difference for Christ in this world. Matthew 5 verse 3 tells us that God blesses those who are poor, those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Fulfillment is found when we come to the end of ourselves. It's often the pain that compels us to change. God desires to lead us to that place of brokenness and then to dependence on him as we surrender to him. If we choose to be broken, God is able to fill us in new ways. Surrender is saying, I don't care if it hurts. I choose you, God. If you're in it, I want it. Unfortunately, we want all the benefits of God's lordship, but we don't want to pay the price. We want God to protect, to guide, to comfort, but we're not prepared to surrender. As we allow God to fix what's broken in our lives, we receive the real life that Jesus has promised us. God will take away our false self, our self-reliance, our ego, our identity. 
just like those Kaimanawa wild horses. They can be broken in. And God breaks us in so that he can achieve a lot more through us. When we run from the pain, we miss our opportunity to grow. Sometimes we can be too quick to rescue people in life. We can rescue people from a situation in which they will grow and learn through what is going on in their lives. Most of us have stories of betrayal and hurt. And these also are learning experiences that equip us to handle the really important things of life. It's only when we empty ourselves of self that we can be totally filled with God. And that's what Jesus meant when he said in Luke 9:23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. When we were living in Southeast Asia, we visited Komodo Island and You've probably heard of Komodo dragons, which are large monitor lizards. And on that island were livestock. There were, were buffalo and cows. And what would happen is these Komodo dragons would creep up on a buffalo. And they would grab it by the leg with their mouth. But they weren't able to hold on to the leg of that buffalo because it was a powerful animal. But their, their saliva was toxic and it would cause an infection in the leg of that buffalo. And so the dragon would just follow it around and it would get to a point when it was limping and it could not move very fast. And then a group of Komodo dragons would grab hold of that buffalo and pull it to the ground. And in an hour's time, there was no sign of that buffalo. They would eat the bones as well. God designated pain as a signal, a flashing red light to tell us that there is something wrong with us. It's better to process the pain with God and deal with those things that God desires to be healed. If we're going through pain and we're doing nothing about it, we're like those buffaloes. We've got an infection that will ultimately lead to our death. And so we listen to God. We choose to go to, go to God and say, God, I need your help in this situation. And there's healing power in a praying community that is humble and caring and transparent. Even the strongest of us reach a point where we're forced to confront our own self-reliance. We want to come down off that cross that we're supposed to carry and end the pain. We want to give in. We don't want to fight the difficult situations anymore. Charlotte Elliott was a, a very sickly woman who refused to do lots of things because of her sickness. Her brother was a pastor, and he was determined to get his sister involved in doing something that was positive. But Charlotte always refused, saying, 
I'm not feeling up to it. I'm an invalid, you know. He asked her to help him raise funds for a school for young women and invited her to attend an event. She refused, saying, I'm too tired, I'm too sick. So the rest of the family went off to the function and left her at home alone. That night, Charlotte began to think about how this sickness was taking over her life. She felt ashamed because she would not risk anything for Jesus Christ. She realized that her brokenness had become the most important thing in her life. That night, she heard the call of God on her life. Out of her restlessness, out of her self-pity, she wrote that famous hymn, Just As I Am. If any of you have been to a Billy Graham crusade, when they have the altar call, they play that song, Just As I Am. Without one plea, but that the blood of God was sent, shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind. Just as I am, I come. She was saying, yes, my life's a mess, but I'm coming. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. Charlotte had learned that brokenness is the first step on the way to God's comfort and blessing. Feeling like we're nothing is discovering that God is everything. Are you living in a place of submission to God? How do we yield to the Spirit of God? It's important that we think of the Holy Spirit as a person. Refer to the Spirit as Him and not an it. Jesus said, when He is come, He will teach you all things. Well, imagine, you know, um, my son gave me a special present for Father's Day and it was uh, one of those Alexa Echoes. And it's a little computer that's connected to the cloud and if I need to know anything, I can ask Alexa and she'll give me the answer. She's plugged in all the time, unless, uh, unless Helen gets a bit jealous and charges her phone. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we've got all these devices. And the Holy Spirit, though, will lead us into all truth. He knows more than Alexa does. And so he has come to teach us all things. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, it challenges us. Do you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. We have this amazing Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And when we need guidance, when we need direction, we will receive a prompting that will say, do this. And if we feel that peace of God and we obey, then we're 
being obedient to the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is a person and we are his temple. He desires to inhabit us and to use us. Making this happen requires us making a total commitment to God. Acts 5 verse 32 tells us that God gives his spirit to those who obey him. If he tells us to do something and we don't do it, then why will he waste his time trying to lead us and to guide us? We can open the door of our heart, welcome him in, and give him control of our lives. Allow him into every area of our life, our marriage, our job, our friendships, and our activities. The Holy Spirit desires to continually fill our life and control our mind. On the day of Pentecost, the apostles were accused of being drunk. Peter explained that they weren't drunk with wine, they were drunk with the Holy Spirit. If we're drunk, the alcohol affects the way that we walk, the way that we talk and think. But when the Holy Spirit controls us, our walk, talk, generosity and courage are all transformed by him. We can all consciously claim this infilling of the Holy Spirit. And in John 2 verse 6 it says, Just as you received the Lord Jesus, so walk with him. Obey those promptings. Walk in harmony, in unity, in relationship with him. And so let's, as a body of believers, yield our lives afresh to the Lord and to his Holy Spirit this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you as your children this morning. You said if we asked you for the Holy Spirit, you would give him to us. With joy, we now ask in faith. Please baptize us afresh with your Holy Spirit this morning. We receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name.